man. If you could stand to your feet with your Bibles in your hand and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 42 through 47. What you hold in your hand is not a self-help book. This isn't just a, a book of suggestions. And it isn't written merely by man. This is the authoritative, sufficient, inerrant, perfect, majestic, life-altering, life-changing Word of God. Let's read it. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. The precious, authentic, sufficient word of God reads, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Uh, Gracious Father, what a privilege it is to know you and to be known by you. And truly, we gather, as your people sang, as Janice and the choir sung, we love you, Jesus. And we love you more than anything. And I pray, Father God, that at the conclusion of this service today, Father God, that that love will intensify that we, Father God, will be in awe of how much you love us. Father, we thank you for everything that's happened thus far, and we pray that you would speak now, for your servants are listening. In the awesome, majestic, powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. What a blessing it is to be before you and to continue our vision series. As a church, we have been looking at what it looks like to be the church. And we have been contextualizing that into uh, for Forest Baptist Church. What does it look like for Forest Baptist Church to live out the picture of the gospel that has been presented in Scripture? And we're setting that vision forth and, and looking to continue to grow to see what the Bible has to say about us together as believers. Last week, we began to talk about authentic community and how God has called us as a church to live life and to experience life together. And we looked at how God created us for community. The Bible says that we were created in the image of a triune God. God is the perfect community. God is the model community. And when God said, let us create man in our image, he created men with a deep need to connect to others. 
But not only was we created for community, we then learned last week that sin breaks and complicates community. Sin breaks our relationships and it mars our relationships and it it makes things difficult. And we looked at how, as a result of our sin, we isolate ourselves from each other. And we hide ourselves behind fig leaves. We cease to be transparent. Sin is self-destructive. Sin is deceitful. And it is birthed out by pride and self-love, not God-love. And then we looked at how we were restored for community or redeemed for community. We looked at how knowing Jesus restores community. Being in a relationship with Jesus allows us to be in relationship with God vertically. But it also should cause us to love one another just as Jesus had loved us. And Jesus has saved us not so that we can be isolated individuals and make it to heaven on our own strength, but so that we can be connected as one body and live life together. God has put us in community in order that we will be transformed by community. And then finally, we looked at last week how God will one day restore perfect community. In Revelations, we see, Revelation chapter 7, that one day there's going to be a people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue in the presence of this amazing God singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And before the presence of God and before the presence of Jesus, our preferences and our ethnic differences will not matter as God will perfectly restore us in unity and as we will worship our sovereign king with no beef in between us, no sin in between us, no baby mama drama, just joy because we're in the presence of Jesus. The reason we we said that we were going through this series is because, as a church, we need to grow in community. We need to grow in loving each other. And we want to be, as Jesus painted out in John chapter 17, we want the world, we want Newburgh, we want Petersburg, we want Louisville to see us as one. Not perfect individuals, but purchased individuals who are living our lives on mission, who are doing what other people in the world can't do without the Holy Spirit, as to live a unified life, constantly sacrificing for the good of others, not seeking glory for ourselves. In April of 2015, we are going to kick off our community groups. We talked a little bit, and for those who weren't here last week, community groups are, are going to be uh, geographical groups, uh, that are going to meet in different areas throughout Petersburg and uh, throughout the Louisville area. And each group is going to uh, have uh, some leaders, and we're going to go each week over to this person's home or wherever the group decides to meet. And each, uh, every week, we're going to be in each other's lives during that day, um, opening the Word of God, enjoying each other, um, having true community with each other in order to take off the fig leaves that many of us are just so accustomed to putting on. And I know that this is, 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 is different uh, for us as a community. It's something we've never tried before. It's something that many of us, we have a lot of questions about. And during this series on community, we're going to be seeking to answer those questions. 
So I'm going to fly through what, what we uh, have today. We're going to try to get this done as uh, expedient as possible, but allow the Holy Spirit to work at the same time. And today I want to look at a picture of authentic community. Last week we looked at the foundation of authentic community, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. This week we're going to paint a picture of what authentic community looks like. And specifically, I want us to take this text and, and to allow the Holy Spirit, to allow the Lord to apply it to Forest Baptist Church. As we're going to say, how does this impact us and how is this going to make us as a church uh, to be the community God wants us to be? So as we're talking about authentic community, the first thing we need to understand is that authentic community is birthed out of the work of the Holy Spirit. Authentic community, by authentic I mean true. Bible-based community is birthed out of the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we see that Jesus has just told the disciples that they are to wait in Jerusalem for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which will come not many days from now. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus tells the disciples he's getting ready to go to be with the Father. This passage is, is, is when Jesus ascends into heaven right after this. And he tells them that they are going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. We read these words. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. So we see that Jesus gives them a promise that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and then they will receive power. Power for what? Power to be his witnesses. Power to be his witnesses, to testify about who he is, the resurrected Lord. And the Bible says that when Pentecost had come, Pentecost was the, the second uh, festival of the year that the Jews would celebrate. Okay? It was a big festival and thousands of people would come from, uh, hundreds of thousands of people would come from all over to Jerusalem and the Jews would celebrate this great festival called Pentecost. And the Bible says that God delivered that promise that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and they began to utter tongues. Now, these persons were from all over. These Jews were from all over and they spoke different languages. But the Holy Spirit broke down that language barrier and allowed them to be able to speak in a way that they could hear each other in order that the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it was preached, everyone could hear the same message. Everyone can hear the same message. And we'll see as we go into Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, that this is authentic community right here. 
When we read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, that's the perfect commit picture of how God originally designed Christians to be and how we've been called to be in each other's life. But that authentic community cannot be mustered up in, in one's own strength. True community for Forest Baptist Church will not come by us putting together the perfect plan or putting together the right logistics or, or just doing things in our own strength. The only way that we are going to be a church that looks like the New Testament church that God laid out is if we are depending on God's spirit, not on a plan, on his spirit. And I just want to encourage us as a church to depend on the spirit. God's spirit is a gift to us, and we cannot do God's mission without it. Paul told Timothy, he says, but God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives to the body of Christ. And how do we know when we're depending upon the Holy Spirit? Because the spirit is a spirit of power. It means that we can't explain what God is doing. We can't, we can't take credit for what he's doing. The only way that we're able to say that things are happening is because the Spirit is doing, because the Spirit has not given us a, uh, we have not been given a spirit of fear or a spirit that makes us timid, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love. When the Holy Spirit is at work, love is felt and experienced and given freely in a sound mind. When we're walking in the Spirit, when we're enjoying the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we have a peace of mind, and we're able to think clearly. But that only comes from us trusting the Lord and accepting that gift of the Spirit every day and saying, Jesus, I look to you. I'm not doing this, and I'm not going to be able to do this in my own strength. We've got to do this by depending on the Spirit. They say, Pastor Maul, how is all this going to look? How is this going to work? This isn't really done amongst our, our, our culture. I'll say we're trusting the Holy Spirit to do it. He's going to give us power. He's going to give us the love. And he's going to give us the mind to work it out. And why are we doing this? Are we doing this just to be different? Are, are, are we doing this just, just because to be busy? No, we're doing this because Jesus said as his disciples that what's going to separate us from the world is the love that we have from one another. We looked last week at the, that Gallup poll that showed the second uh, most uh, missed thing that people who were polled said that the church was missing on and that they weren't getting at church was deep relationships. The Bible says that non-believers should be able to look at our relationships and yearn for Jesus because there is a depth to it. And I believe that us being in community in this way is going to give us that. So we must depend on the work of the Holy Spirit. Second, the prayers of the righteous. Authentic community is not mustered up in our own strength. It's through the Holy Spirit. But, but second, authentic community will be experienced when God's people pray for it. When God's people pray for it. We see in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. In fact, I'll go up to verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room 
where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphas, the Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. And all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So Jesus had given them a picture that they were supposed to be witnesses to all the world, to Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. And after leaving Jesus and being told to wait for the Holy Spirit, they don't just go to their own homes and start living isolated lives. No, they gather together, the Bible says, and they prayed. And they prayed. And we see later on in the chapter, once again, they have to make another decision. And what do they do? They gather together again and they pray. They pray. We, as a church, will not have the type of community that God is calling us to be in if we are not taking time to pray for it. When God wants to do something big through his people, he he calls his people to pray about it. To pray about it. The Bible says in James chapter 5 that the prayers of the righteous, what? Talk to me. It availeth much. It makes a big difference. And these disciples knew from spending time with Jesus, from watching his personal life and his prayer life, that the only way that they were going to be able to do what God had called them to do is to pray. They were overwhelmed. You are going to make us witnesses and we're going to testify about you to the ends of the world. How in the world? I don't know how we're going to do it. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get together and we'll pray about it. And as the church, Forest Baptist Church, I believe that God wants to do something great. He's already done some great things, but he wants to do even greater things. And if we think that God is going to rock this community and is going to save people and change people because of our Bible knowledge, because of our cuteness, because of our family lineage and our church heritage, we've got another thing coming. The only way that God is going to break strongholds The only way that God is going to take back this city is if his people are depending on the Holy Spirit for power, love, and a sound mind and devoting themselves to prayer. Prayer is an act of worship. Prayer is an act of faith. Faith for all I trust him. When you get on your knees and pray, you're saying, God, I believe that you are who you said that you are. God, I believe that you can move a mountain. God, I believe that you can make a way out of no way. God, I believe that you can transform lives. God, I believe that you can... When we're not praying, we say, God, I believe I got this. And I can work this out in my own strength. So what we've got to do is we've got to start praying about prayer. Lord, I don't want to pray, but can you give me the strength to to want to pray? Lord, I don't feel like praying. Can you change my, 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 my attitude towards prayer so that I can talk to you and let you know how much I need you? And he'll do it. He'll do it. God gave Nehemiah a vision. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah prays. All throughout the book of Nehemiah, as he's working on the vision, I just love it right in the middle. You'll just read little lines like, and Nehemiah prayed. Why? Because Nehemiah knew that if God was going to do a great work in Jerusalem, it wasn't going to be because of his intellect, and it wasn't going to be because of his own strength. It was going to be because the God of heaven intervened and made a way. Season saints, we, I need you to pray. 
God, God has us on a mission. I believe God has this church in a direction. It may not be popular. It may not be understood right now. But in a direction that is going to make an impact. And it's going to bring many people to know him. And I'm saying seasoned saints, my senior saints, those who've been walking with the Lord for a while, those who know how to get a prayer through, we need you to pray. What what would it look like for you all to to call each other once a week on the phone, to to get another prayer partner and say, let's pray that God would allow us to experience true community. Singles, now's the time to pray. As you wait, as as you see what God has planned for you, what would it look like for you to get together at a coffee shop with other singles in this church? What would it look like for you all to, to strategically meet together and to pray for the vision that God has laid before us? Married couple, now is the time to pray. What would it look like for once a week for you to, to edge out 15 minutes with your spouse, to spend some time talking about what God is doing in your heart, and then to specifically pray, God, raise up Forest Baptist Church to make a huge impact, allow this vision to come into fruition. We all need to pray. Third, authentic community is birthed out of the work of the Holy Spirit. Authentic community is birthed from the prayers of the righteous. Authentic community comes from faithful, gospel-saturated preaching. Faithful, gospel-saturated preaching. What happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 with these Christians is the result of Jesus being preached clearly and powerfully. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that on that day of Pentecost that many people were confused and they thought that uh, those who had received the power of the Holy Spirit, that they were drunk. They're like, man, it's the middle of the day and these people are drunk. They are wasted. And the Bible says that Peter, who was normally the most boisterous and bold, he stands up and says no. He interprets the Old Testament passage from Joel. He says, no, we're not drunk off of liquor. We're drunk off of the living God. And he says, this has been laid out in the Old Testament that this would happen. And he begins to preach and to show these people who have gathered around the temple in Jerusalem that this was all according to God's plan. And he begins to preach about Jesus. And look at what verse... 36 says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, towards the end of his sermon, both Lord and Christ, that Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Authentic community comes when Jesus is being preached. Peter stood up and he preached Jesus, and the Bible said that these 3,000 who were saved and who would come into community, that they were cut to the heart. A literal meaning, meaning that, that they, that it was, it's a picture of a knife just going through something that's, that's hard. It was, their hearts were just sliced, that the heart of stone, a saw, 
going at some wood. They were cut to the heart. Only the gospel can cut us to the heart. They were satisfied with hearing sermons about Jesus. Authentic community will not grow off of us being satisfied with hearing me-centered sermons about just how great I am or how great you are. It comes from us hearing the truth that we're sinners and Jesus is great. The Bible says they were cut to the heart. And what is a gospel-saturated sermon? A gospel-saturated sermon is a, is a sermon that points to the good news of Jesus. Good news of Jesus is the news that we are forgiven of our sins when we put our faith and trust in them. That no matter how wicked you are, no matter how evil you are, no matter what you're entangled in, that, that God's love can, can free you from that entanglement. And that God will look at you as if you had never sinned. That's God's grace. Salvation is the work of God. It's God breaking through our hearts and showing us the goodness of our Savior. The Bible says that they responded by repenting and asking the question, what must we do to be saved? And in verse 39 it says, and for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse 40. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Peter preached. He told them to turn and to trust Jesus. And then the Bible says that he preached with many other words. Meaning that it was a long sermon. And that's why we preach long sermons here at Ford's. (laughs) But he exhorted them to turn and to trust Jesus. And as a result, the Bible says, verse 41, that many received the word and were baptized, and 3,000 people were added in that day. 3,000 people were added to the church as Peter stood probably at the temple which would have had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, probably estimating where from fifteen to 20,000 people doing Pentecost at a given time. He's bold, he stands up, he preaches about Jesus, and 3,000 of those Jews who had come to Jerusalem or who was in Jerusalem worshiping God under the law now saw Jesus under the new covenant, and they said, this is beautiful. I want to devote my life to Jesus. Now, this makes for a new problem. Got 3,000 people who grown from about 120 or or 500. 3,000 people are now added into the church. And that's where we pick up in verse 42. After they were baptized, what did they do? What did they do? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. These 3,000 people, because they were cut to the heart, because their lives were changed by Jesus, they devoted themselves to some things. When God changes your heart, a devotion to him occurs. And when we talk about authentic community and when we talk about community groups, we want to understand that there's three things 
that authentic community is going to lead to. And the first thing is discipleship. That's what we see happening in verse 42. And the reason we're going to do missional communities, our community groups, is because we believe that this is the best way for us to grow as disciples in Jesus. We see the church hearing a sermon by Peter being cut to the heart, and then afterward, they are in community with each other, in each other's homes, doing some things. God has called us to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and we cannot be faithful disciples of Jesus by ourselves. And many of us, we struggle with our walk in Christ because we're kind of just out there on a limb. And we're not connected to the body of Christ. And this early church, the first church plant, shows us what true community looks like. And what happens when we're in true community. We're discipled. A disciple of Jesus is a learner of Jesus. It is a person who submits to Jesus and who says, for the rest of my life, I am going to be committed to learning more about you. Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus is on the Mount of Galilee and he's talking to the disciples, he says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. He said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the process of discipleship, learning what Jesus has commanded and what he has laid out before us. These believers were so empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they just could not get enough of Jesus and they could not get enough of his mission, so they devoted themselves to some things. Are you devoted to being a disciple of Jesus? It's where devotion means that they constantly pursued. And they constantly pursued a few things. Number one, the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. The apostles were those who walked closely with Jesus. And in Luke chapter 24, we learn that Jesus, in between his resurrection and his ascension, lived amongst the rest of the disciples or apostles, and he taught them about himself by taking them through the Old Testament and showing how he was concealed in the Old Testament, but now he's revealing himself to them. And they took what Jesus taught, and they began to teach others. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 4, over and over, Paul tells Timothy to commit yourself to the Scriptures. Commit yourself to the things that I tell you. Study to show yourself approved before God. Preach the word that I'm giving you in season and out of season. A disciple is a person who is committed to learning God's word. First Peter, Peter tells the church, he says, listen. Long for the word of God like newborn infants. These disciples, they were longing for God's word and they committed themselves. They persistently gave themselves over to the word of God. Because why? In God's word, God is revealed. Now, how do we devote ourselves to the apostle teaching? We understand that the New Testament is the apostle's teaching. What you have in your hand is the apostle's teaching. Authentic community leads to discipleship. It leads to us wanting to be in each other's lives and in relationships so that we can grow in knowing Jesus. And we grow in knowing Jesus by committing ourselves to the scriptures. So for our community groups, how is that going to look? That's going to look like when we gather together, we gather together in order to learn more about God's word. Learn more about God's word. 
But we also see that they committed themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, but they committed themselves to fellowship. What is fellowship? The word fellowship means to sharing. It means to partake or to share. Because the Holy Spirit was working upon their heart, their hearts were drawn to the word, but it also was drawn to, to sharing with each other. To sharing with each other. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to work, it takes us off the center of our own throne and puts Jesus on the throne. And it starts to make us pattern our lives after him and not our own desires. So they were hanging out together, fellowship together, sharing all that they had with one another. And then they devoted themselves to something else. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to the breaking of bread. Now, theologians differ and argue about what that really means. Some say, as Scripture uh, does testify, that the breaking of bread simply could have just been eating together. Uh, Luke chapter 24, Jesus comes back, uh, is, is resurrected. He's walking with two disciples on the road of Emmaus. And the Bible says as he talked to them, he broke bread with them and prayed, which means that they shared a meal together. But we also see in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that when Paul uses this term, he's talking about the Lord's Supper. So some say they just shared a regular meal together. Others say, no, they had the Lord's Supper. I believe they were doing both. They were gathering together and they were enjoying each other's presence. They were sharing what they had learned about God with each other. They were talking about God's word and what they were learning from the apostles. And they enjoyed meals together. And they took the Lord's Supper together. Now, why were they taking the Lord's Supper together? Because the Lord's Supper, the the communion, points us to the cross. Whenever we take communion, it, it reminds us that at the foot of the cross, we are all equal. At the foot of the cross, there's no big eyes and, and little U's. At the, at the foot of the cross, we are all equally loved by God. At the foot of the cross is where we learn to, to live, to move and have our being. So they broke bread together. They enjoyed communion together often in order to remind themselves of what was most important, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, and they prayed together. See this, 3,000 people who were Jews, who, who had the old covenant in mind, are now being discipled, walked with, taught the word of God by those probably 500 who were once walking with Jesus. They're spread all throughout the city. They're meeting in each other's homes. They're praying together. They're talking about the word of God together. They're excited about the resurrected Jesus. And they're constantly praying because they know what God did in their heart that he can do in other people's heart. Can't you see? Peter in a room, with, uh, in a packed room with other disciples, tears in their face, and they're saying, God saved me, but he hasn't saved my wife yet. Can, can you pray? Can't you, can't you see? John in, at his home, and, and he's praying with other people who are saying, if God saved me, do you think he can save his, his co-worker? Can't you see, Ron? 
Going back to Brother Jared and saying, Jared, look, I've experienced this bread. I've, I've eaten from the bread of life. Man, you've got to come to Forest Baptist Church and experience this bread too and, and praying for him. We need each other in each other's life because we need to be discipled. And discipleship happens in community. Us growing to look like Jesus happens when we are yoked up together. When we're not isolated, but we're walking through this life together. The reason some of us are, are stuck and, and we don't want to read our word and our prayer life is, is just been stuck in the same place. And all of us get into places where we're stuck. But community helps us to get unstuck. When we meet with each other regularly and when we're asking each other tough questions and we're, we're praying for each other, we can be encouraged. If I show up at a community group and, and it's been two weeks and someone asks the question, well, how's your Bible reading time going? I say, well, I haven't picked up my word in two weeks. That brother can encourage me and say, brother, you haven't, you haven't eaten in two weeks. God doesn't love you any less. I know your life is busy. I know you have all these pressures on. But I want to encourage you to, to, to eat, to, to make that time to get into God's word. Why? For the sake of being busy? No, because the word of God transforms us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says it gets to the nooks and the crevices of our hearts. It takes the dark parts of our hearts and it shines light on our heart. That word have I hidden in my heart so I will not sin against you. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When we have the word in our heart, we're able to see more clearly. A righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. Are we righteous because of ourselves? No. We're righteous because of Jesus. And when we learn to go to his word, to see Jesus revealed, we can enjoy his righteousness even more and be walking on the right path. Discipleship happens in community. It happens when you allow other people to preach to you. It happens when you allow other people to implant the word of God into your heart. And we need that more regularly. We need that more regularly. Second, authentic community leads to mutual care. Authentic community leads to mutual care. Look at this. Verse number 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I'll just note here that these wonders and signs weren't being done because the apostles were so great. They were being done because people were praying. The book of Acts, sometimes we call it the Acts of the Apostles. After reading back through it, I think it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. So look at what happens. 3,000 people get saved. They're rocked by Jesus. Many of them are from out of town. They've taken long trips to Jerusalem. But God works so mighty that he flips some of their lives upside down. And now, rather than go back home, we can apply from the text, and as we read the rest of Acts, they probably stayed in Jerusalem. They devoted themselves to this mission. And as a result of relocating, some people didn't have money or a place to stay. 
And some people, because they gave their life to Jesus and became a Christian, they no longer have a job. And some people in that 3,000, they were just poor. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit did something unique, that the Holy Spirit impressed upon their hearts in a way that they had all things in common. They began to sell their possessions and belongings and distribute all their proceeds to the other brothers and sisters in Christ who had need. That's huge. See, we, we read it and we just say, oh, those are just words, yeah. Oh, man, that's, that's interesting. No. People were going home because of Jesus. <laughs> Saying, God has forgiven me. Jesus is resurrected. These things that I used to value in life, I no longer value. Brother, brother Ted lost his job because he loves Jesus. Sweetie, maybe we can sell this couch that costs a lot of money that we never sit on so that brother Ted's need can be met for the next year. We've got two horses. <laughs> This family needs a, a way to get back and forth to work. Maybe we can give this to this family. We've got all these cows. We've got all these sheep. We've got all these cars. Maybe, maybe we can sell these things in order to provide a need. That was the Holy Spirit at work. That's not a human way of thinking. Naturally, as humans, we are self-absorbed. Naturally, as humans, we are me-centered. Naturally, as humans, we are thinking about not how we can give more, but how we can get more. But when we put our eyes on Jesus, we can't help but to give more because we see how much he's given us. The Son of God gave up his life and died a guilty man's death, though he was innocent because he loved us while we were yet sinners. When we look to the cross of Christ, we see that we have everything we need in Jesus and that we have a promise that one day we will be in heaven with God, with all of our needs met. And now we're not hoarding, trying to figure out how I can get more or how I can look better than the next person. The cross of Christ frees us. It frees us to say, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about how you can serve me. It's about how I can serve you. It's not about me impressing you with what I have on. But Lord, give me the power to be empowered by your Holy Spirit to make an impression in this person's heart. Community groups will allow us to know each other's needs. As we meet together weekly and sit in each other's houses, and I pray that our houses are crowded. I pray that they're uncomfortable. I pray that we have the problem of having to have more groups because people are coming to Jesus. See, we can begin to pray that when we understand that everything we, that we own nothing, everything belongs to the Lord. See, the cross frees us from our insecurity. It frees us from our insecurity. It says, okay, your place is small, but guess what? Jesus, the Son of God, he didn't have a home. He lived with others. We can hear each other's needs and say, sister, I don't have it, but we can surely pray. Sister, I've got some clothes at home. What, what size is she? They're sitting in my closet. Here you go. 
You lost your job? Well, I, I may not be able to help you, but let's pray about it. And, and let each of us, let's leave and see if we can, we can help him job search this week to provide for his family. See, the Holy Spirit makes us one, Jesus said. Jesus prayed, make them one. And that's what it means. That's what it means. It's mutual care. It's mutual care when we come together and we care for each other. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, John 13, that you love one another. What is love? Love is making a commitment, making a commitment to look out for the other person's best interest, to honor them. That's love. That's love. And love can happen even when we're not loved in return. Love isn't self-centered. It's not, I'm going to do this for this person so that they can love me more or so that I can control them. It's, no, I'm going to look out for their best interest regardless. That's why Jesus can say, love your enemies. What? He had a love for each other. And this was not done in their own strength. These are not super Christians. These are not 3,000 people who just all had it together. These are not 3,000 people who were used to being in community. According to Jewish culture, people were divided by family clans. If you weren't a part of someone's family, you weren't a priority. The Holy Spirit came through and allowed people to see that we're now a part of a new family. And this new family is now my family. And now I'm not just hoarding up trying to get my family to the next level, but I'm a part of God's family, and what I have, you have. Mutual care is taking place because the cross of Jesus was that beautiful to this group. Is the cross of Jesus beautiful to you? Does it it make you, seeing how much you've been forgiven, seeing the fact that God has saved you from darkness and transformed you into the marvelous light, does it make you does it make you just want to give? If not, let's devote ourselves to pray. And let's look to Jesus and the example of how he cared. Jesus taught us what discipleship looked like. A lot of times we're like, what does it mean to disciple someone? What does it mean to do this? Jesus modeled that for the disciples so that when he stood in Matthew 28 and said, go make disciples, they knew what he meant. What that meant was go be in each other's lives. And teach. That's what Jesus did. He took 12 men and he discipled them. He taught them. He shared what he knew about the Father with them. And he cared for people. Can you imagine the disciples, Peter, James, and John, the impact, the impression that was made upon their heart? As they walked with Jesus for three and a half years, they saw the most selfless human being ever. They saw the Lord of this universe completely give up everything to serve other people. In fact, they watched him wash their stinking, dirty feet. God washed feet. Same spirit that empowered Jesus, the same spirit that can empower us, Forest Baptist Church, to care for each other in a way that makes the world say, these people are crazy. That's what happens. John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And this is how the world should know that you're my disciples, for the love that you have for each other. 
says the way that the world is going to know, want to be a part of this movement is because you all are going to love each other in a way that just blows their mind. And that's what's actually happening here in Acts. They were loving each other in a way that's blowing them out. Verse 46. And that's the third part. The third, third point for today is, is missional living. We see in verse 46 that authentic community, when God comes in and works, that we will begin to be missional. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. Don't miss this. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. That's huge. Attending the temple together? The temple? Wait, the temple is where the Jews who don't know Jesus meet and give sacrifice. They purposely went to this big temple. Acts chapter 4, Solomon's portico, they were probably on the porch there gathering together, having church about Jesus while everyone else was making sacrifices and living in self-righteousness. Authentic community pushes us to be mission-minded. It encourages us to be bold. When we're by ourselves, when we're living our isolated Christian lives, we're not pushed towards boldness. We're pushed towards timidity naturally. But when we're in community with each other and when we're making goals for each other that we share the gospel with our lost neighbors and our lost loved ones in in this lost world, we now have encouragement to do that. And we can do that together. The Bible says that they met in the temple together and they broke bread in their homes. They received their food with with glad and generous hearts. They were on mission together. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number because they were in each other's lives, loving the word, committing themselves to discipline, loving each other in a way that the world didn't love each other. Day by day, people were coming to know Jesus. And I mean to really know Jesus. I'm not talking about to know church. The difference from knowing church and knowing Jesus. They knew Jesus. Part of what we want to do in our community groups is we believe that if we gather together regularly, enjoy each other's presence, enjoy the word together, pray together, that we can then begin to invite our unsaved coworkers and friends to see what we do. And a lot of our unsaved coworkers and friends, they have misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian. And then we can say, come to our community group. Come and, and have a meal with us. Part of what we're going to be asking our community groups to do is once a month to have a potluck where all we do is come together, enjoy food together, instead of having a home Bible study and eat. And that's a time where you can invite your unsaved friends, say, come over to our house and and, and have a meal. And we normally do a, a segment where we uh, just ask questions and, and hear people answer the questions or whatnot. Come and see how we live. 
See, you may be afraid to talk to that person. That person may, may, may know more than you, and you may be, be, be timid, but if you invite them over, and Pastor Maceo, Pastor Nate's there. <laughs> or if you invite them over and someone else has that answer, someone else can testify and say, you know what, I'm right. I used to be an atheist too. I used to be a Muslim too. There's strength in numbers. Ecclesiastes 4.10 tells us that. Get that real quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Many of us, we're stuck and we're falling. We're not, we're not devoted to things. We're devoted to our routine. And we're devoted to the way things have always been. We need someone to lift us up. Community does that. If we humble ourselves and allow people to say, brother, this is the way it should be, community can do that for you. Some of us are stuck and we're stangy, man. Right? We are stangy. Well, community, brother can say, yo, man, I love you, and I'm saying this out of love. I need work speaking to my life, but I, and you're a little tight-fisted, a little selfish. I notice that you always have new gear on, but the rest of your family's struggling, and your wife says she has to beg for money to go and get her something. See how we can be stuck? And it's not that the brother maybe is necessarily evil, but maybe he has a blind spot. Hey, man, you're right. Listen, we have community groups meeting right now with Newbury Church, a, a church that I'm an external pastor on. And I was talking to one of the pastors uh, this week at our meeting, and he was testifying about what God was doing in his missional community. He said, we have 24 people meeting, and 12 of them are youth from our community. They didn't know Jesus. But now they come in week in and week out, and they're learning about Jesus as we have our time of study. Another pastor this week said these words. He says, when we gather together in our neighborhood, when you see a big gathering, it's a saying that says, that's either a drug house or a Jesus house. It's either a drug house or a Jesus house. Our last point on, our, on, our, on your worksheet is we've got to fight against apathy. We've got to fight against apathy. What is apathy? Apathy is unholy contentment. As we're hearing this sermon, we say, what should I do with this sermon? I'm saying fight against apathy. Apathy is unholy contentment. Apathy is, an, is a state and an attitude that says, I'm not moving forward. I'm not necessarily moving back. I'm just fine right where I, where I am. I'm fine right where I am. This church, this early church, they fought against apathy because they were in each other's lives. They were not neglecting to meet together, right? right? Hebrews chapter 3, how do you encourage each other? By meeting together every day, while today is called day. Hebrews chapter 10 says again, the way that we stir each other up to good works is by being in community, by encouraging each other every day. I think the reason why some of us are in a state of apathy 
is because we don't have anyone in our lives pushing us to love Jesus more. The reason the disciples grew so much when they walked with Jesus is because they had other disciples pushing them. They had Jesus pushing them to grow. Do you have a group pushing you to grow or celebrating your stagnation? Are the people around you week in and week out pushing you to look more like Jesus or are they stuck just like you in celebrating that? Like, no, this is the way it's always been. This is the way it needs to stay. Let's celebrate it. Pastor Jamal is going nuts. He's calling for more. He's screaming at us about how good Jesus is. This isn't the way it should be. This isn't the way it used to be. It's apathy. It's apathy. Fight against a spirit of spiritual content. Make goals. Say, Lord, I want to be used by you to bring someone to know you. It should be a goal of all of us. Lord, I want to, I, this year I want to pray more than I did last year. This year, I want to love more than I did last year. This year, I want to grow and know my word, not for the sake of knowing it to be proud, but knowing it to know you. Lord, I want to fight against apathy. If your marriage is in the same place that it was 10 years ago, you're stuck. If your marriage has went in reverse, you're stuck. You have an apathetic heart. If your ministry is in the same place it was five years ago, If the verses you have in memory is the same verses you've had five years ago? If your testimony, if you're still telling the same testimony that you told 15 years ago, and you don't have a new testimony, it's because you're settling. Jesus offers more. Paul said in Corinthians, we go from one glory to another glory. In Jesus, we go higher and higher. It may not feel like it, and I believe God didn't allow it to feel like it in order to keep us humble, to keep us from getting the big head. But we go from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Fight apathy by looking to Jesus, knowing that he loves you, he forgives you, and he wants you to know him. And knowing that he has big plans for you. That's what God told the prophet Habakkuk. If I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. The reason why some of us are apathetic is because of unbelief. We don't believe that God can change people. We don't believe that God can give us a a new marriage. We don't believe that God can revive this city. We don't believe that this baptism pool can be filled in one year with a hundred people who never knew Jesus. We don't believe that God can lead us to to lead someone else to Jesus. And I want to tell you to look to Jesus. Believe that he can do it. He said he can do it. Exceedingly above and beyond all that you can ask or think. That's the God that we serve. We serve a God that changes people. We serve a God that renews cities. We serve a God that fills us with joy, unspeakable joy. We serve a God who is on mission. And when we embrace community, And when we embrace the Bible with a childlike faith that says, God, this sounds crazy. God is uncomfortable. But God, I believe God does something great. Some of us, we need to fight apathy with an attitude that says this is going to work for everyone else or everyone else at Forest is going to be a part of community group, but not me. I'm I'm too old. Mm -mm, I'm too old. I ain't got time to be going over nobody's house. Spirit of apathy. 
Mm-mm. My, house, my carpet. Mm-mm. My carpet's too new. Mm-mm. I ain't using my house. Mm-mm. Apathy. What excuses are you coming up with? Trust the Lord. Let go and let God take over. Enjoy the Lord. Enjoy other believers. I know you've been hurt, but you've hurt people too. Community is going to push you to forgive and to depend on God. When you're walking closely with people, you pray more. (laughs) You pray more. Take you here real quick for those who say, no, this just isn't for me. Acts 17, I'm going to read this and Verse 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. What do we learn from this text? I'm going to kind of quickly remove it from uh, this direct application to practical application for you here today. If God has sent you to be a member of Forest Baptist Church, if you're a member of Forest Baptist Church, it's because God has allotted you, determined that this is where you should worship. And I just want you to trust that God has a plan for you, even in the midst of being challenged with a different vision. Trust that. God determines, he allots where man, each man should be. If God has you here, he wants to use you. Open up and allow him to do that. Open up and allow him to do that. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your goodness and your beauty. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to be a church that's filled with authentic community. Help us, Father God, to depend upon the Holy Spirit, Father. Help us to pray. Help us to preach the gospel. Help us, Father God, to be disciples. Help us, Father God, to care for each other. Help us, Lord, to be on mission together. Help us throughout Newburgh, throughout the areas of Louisville, to have our neighbors say that that is either a drug house or a Jesus house. Protect us from apathy. Protect us from being comfortable with the status quo. Help us to desire to be how you paint us as Christians to be in Scripture and not what we have necessarily created as a culture. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus for modeling community for us. Not only did you become incarnate, but you actually walked closely with other human beings who would hurt you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.